All right, so the Browns received some really tough news earlier today, and that is the fact they lost their starting quarterback for the rest of the year in Deshaun Watson. And despite Deshaun Watson being now done for the rest of the season, I'm not throwing dirt on this Browns team. I don't think their season is over. In fact, I think they are still making the playoffs, and I think there is still a real threat in the AFC. They are anything but done, in my opinion, for two reasons. Number one, this has been a team that has been solid without Deshaun Watson. Like, they are a team built similarly to the San Francisco 49ers where they are not quarterback dependent. Or I should say maybe quarterback-centric. That's a better way to phrase it. They are not a quarterback-centric team. Cleveland has an elite defense and an elite run game. Just like the 49ers, right, who have an elite defense, who have Christian McCaffrey, who have Debo Samuel, who have George Kittle. They are... San Francisco, that is, a team that is able to withstand quarterback injuries like they did not once but twice last year with Trey Lance and Jimmy G going down and having a backup, third string, last pick in the draft quarterback come in and lead them to the NFC title game in part because the offense is easy to manage and you you don't need an elite quarterback in order to have success. I would argue the Browns are the same way. I mean, look at how they played this year. They are 6-3. and three. They're right now in the in the playoffs. One of the seven teams. They are six and three, despite the fact that Deshaun Watson has missed or not finished four games so far this season. Four to nine. And in those four games, the Browns are two and two. They've beaten the 49ers. Very impressive win. And all four teams they played. Without Deshaun Watson, the Colts, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Ravens all are 500 or better. So they play good teams. They're 2-2 two and two in the four games that Watson didn't start or didn't finish. They beat the 49ers, which is, again, a very impressive win. And they're right now 6-3. and three. They have been a very solid team without Deshaun Watson. And what also gives me hope is when Watson has been on the court... He's not exactly lighting it up. He's not been very good this year. I think we can all agree to that. He's definitely not what the Browns thought they were getting when they made the trade for him, gave up three first-round picks, gave him that massive, fully guaranteed contract. And this is a guy that this season averaged just 185 passing yards per game. That's worse than Bryce Young. That's worse than Joshua Dobbs. That's worse than Ryan Tannehill. 185 per game. Passing yards through the year. 21st in the league in passer rating. Had just seven touchdown passes. Now again, he played well in the second half against the Ravens. Didn't throw an incompletion. Helped lead a double-digit comeback. Great win on the road over Baltimore. But really, outside of that one half on Sunday, he's not been very good or very consistent. So it's not like, again, the Browns are losing a quarterback that's, you know, in the MVP race, right? They're not losing a guy who's been lighting it up and been the heartbeat and the sole reason for their success. They are losing a guy, in essence, for the most part, who's been along for the ride. So you can absolutely weather that storm with your defense and with your run game 
when you lose a quarterback that, again, has not been very good and also has frequently missed time this season. That's the reason why, number one, I'm not throwing dirt on the Browns' season. They've been dealing with this the entire year, basically. This is nothing new. But the, the other thing is, the other reason is, look around the rest of the AFC. If you want to tell me the Browns are not a playoff team, and you want to tell me that even if they make the playoffs, well, they're not a threat. I mean, come on. It's the Browns, no quarterback. They're not beating anybody. Well, who's smoking them? Who is knocking them out of the playoff race? And if no one does knock them out of the playoff race, who in the playoffs is running the Browns out of the building? Who's beating them by 30 points? Chiefs? I don't think so. Are the Chiefs right now going to steamroll the Browns? That offense for Kansas City is in a rut. The last game we saw them in Germany against the Dolphins, they scored two offensive touchdowns. Their offense has been a problem all season long. Are they now all of a sudden, overnight, going to put it together and get a really good defense in Cleveland in the playoffs, drop 45 points on them? No. Browns own the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Own them. No reason to think that's a walkover win for Cincinnati. Dolphins can't beat anyone good. Jaguars can't beat anyone good. I don't trust Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. He's not been a very good playoff quarterback. And the Ravens as a team have been a horrific fourth quarter team this season. So they're in a close game. They have not shown a consistent ability to win it. So the reason why I ask you in the AFC who can blow the Browns out is because if no one can do it, that means these games are going to be close. And when you have a really good defense like Cleveland does, a run game that can chew up yards and chew up the clock, why would you say Cleveland has no chance to win in the playoffs and make a deep run if they are built to play close games and all they need in a playoff game is one crazy bounce of the ball? One maybe incorrect flag to go their way to give them any spark of life. Like the, the margins are so thin in the playoffs that it's not realistic, or it's it's not unrealistic, excuse me, to go into a game and say, you know what? We got a great defense. We got a great run game. Even if we got Dorian Thompson-Robinson or P.J. Walker starting for us, we believe we have a chance because we'll hold this team we're playing under 20 points. We got to put it in the end zone ourselves. But again, you feel good about the run game with Jerome Ford and with Kareem Hunt. That even without Nick Chubb, they've still been able to run at a very efficient rate. That we'll score ourselves. And now all of a sudden you tell me it's a 20 to 14 ball game in the fourth quarter. You're signing up for that. One fumble, one penalty, one crazy play, and all of a sudden next year the Browns can win a playoff game. So the formula is not overly complicated. The formula is not unrealistic. The Browns have an elite defense. Every game is going to be close. They have a great run game, so their offense will put up some points. So if you're telling me you're going to be in a close game with a good run game, a close game with a good rushing offense, of course I think the Browns make then a playoff run because they have the formula to win in the postseason. Why would I think right now with what we've seen from the AFC that anyone's going to run them out of the building? So I think it's foolish right now for anyone throwing dirt on the Browns casket. 
to call them dead, to declare the season over because it's not. This team has dealt with Deshaun Watson injuries. They've already played four games this year without Watson. And they're 2-2 two and two against teams, again, at 500 or better. At 6-3, and three, I think the magic number right now is 10 to get in the playoffs in the AFC. That's my guess, I would say. If you're 10-7, and seven, you're in. The Browns can, can go 4-4 four and four in the last eight games is not unrealistic. Very likely. And so they're a playoff team who in every game they're going to be playing close games. There's no reason to bury the Browns. They can absolutely make a run to the AFC title game, even with P.J. Walker and or Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So dismiss the Browns at your own peril. It's tough, tough news right now if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. But Watson is not playing that well anyway. You are not a quarterback-centric team. You got a great defense, and the rest of the AFC has not separated themselves. There's no one that's been right now a Goliath that says, oh, we have no chance against them. I wouldn't say right now I'm picking the Browns to beat the Chiefs. But if I pick a score right now in the playoffs, I would say like, I don't know, 2014, 2017. You're right there. One crazy, unpredictable bounce, you win that game. So they're going to be in every single game. And that's in part because no one has separated themselves in the conference. So I'm in on the Browns. Or I guess maybe I'm not out on the Browns. Maybe it's maybe how I, I should better phrase it. I am not out on the Browns. They, to me, are still a playoff team. And I think they are a team absolutely capable of making a run in the AFC. How about yourself here? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Are you still believing in the Browns? Are you still buying in despite the fact that they have no Deshaun Watson for the rest of the year? This team is still a playoff team and still is a threat come playoff time. 855-212-4227 and Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we return, I want to play some audio from Gronk who made some interesting comments about not only Mac Jones, but also Bill Belichick. I want to highlight a point, and that's this. If you are a team that wants to pursue Bill Belichick this offseason in terms of being your next head coach, you're a fool. I'll have Gronk explain why. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. You can talk sports with me. Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. As a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at. O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm a believer in the Browns. Are you? Despite the news today that Deshaun Watson is out for the rest of the season with a shoulder injury, I'm not writing off the Browns. They, to me, are making the playoffs and are absolutely capable of making a deep postseason run because they are not a team that is quarterback dependent. They have a great defense and a great run game. They don't need the quarterback to will this team to victory and be the main reason why they are winning. Deshaun Watson has not been very good this year when he's played. He's missed four games. The Browns are 2-2 two and two against uh, teams at 500 or better in those four games without him. They beat the 49ers without him. They can win big games 
without their franchise quarterback. The other reason why I'm still believing in the Browns is because no one in the AFC is head and shoulders above everyone else. There's no separation. The Chiefs are the class of the conference, right, because of the history and defending world champions. But their offense has taken a step back. They've not been as good. So I have, you know, while, yes, they deserve respect, I can't sit here and tell you that there's no chance the Browns can go into Arrowhead and win. That's foolish. Of course they can. That great defense, that great running game is a tremendous equalizer to Patrick Mahomes. Again, let alone outside of Travis Kelsey, and really he only plays well when Travis, uh, when Taylor Swift's in, in town. That Chiefs offense has not been one that scares you this year. Bengals are up and down. Jaguars, uh, Dolphins, frauds. Like, there's no one really right now that you say, oh, there's no way they can't win that game. So the AFC being open and the way the Browns are built has me believing absolutely not only are making the playoffs, can make a deep playoff run. So I'm a believer in the Cleveland Browns. Are you? 855-212-4227. Kevin is calling from Baltimore. Hello, Kev. What's good, Ryan? How you doing tonight, man? Good, buddy. What's on your mind, man? You cool with, uh, it was funny with the college football last night, but, uh, huh. I just wanted to, I've cooled uh, down, Kev. Uh, I've cooled down. No heart attack, <laughs> as you can tell. Buddy, you had me going, man. I really felt your uh, passion and I was ready to go to, go to war with you about it, man. It was awesome. I was ready to run hey, down uh, to Grapevine, Texas from right here in New York City and make my case. I was ready. I loved it, boss. That's why I tune in, man. I, uh, Obviously, I'm biased to the Ravens. I realize our fourth quarter uh, has improved very well. I think you made uh, very strong arguments for Cleveland, though. They Njoku is very good mm-hmm. when he gets going. Um, their run game was a little different than they had been against us. They kind of wiggled and squirmed their way through and you know, imposed their physical will on us. Amari Cooper was really good, too. Um, honestly, I think we should have blew them out though. Um, but unfortunately history is not on their side either. So where I just slightly disagree a little bit is that I don't really like them to be honest with you, but they are good football players. (laughs) I appreciate the call, but I hope you're doing well. I hate personally the history thing. Yeah. The Browns have a crappy history. They've won nothing. We get it, but I don't see how that like impacts them this year. Like, how does the losing in 2014 carry over to them not being able to, you know, win four games to make the playoffs this year? I, I never get that that correlation between bad history and now all of a sudden, well, that means you're doomed. No, every year, literally every year is different. This team the Browns have is nowhere near as bad as most teams the Browns fielded uh, throughout their existence. So I don't really like the history argument, but it's like Kevin just, I mean, as a Ravens fan, you just witnessed it on Sunday. All that said, going against, uh, you know, they didn't really run the ball. You know, they, they they had, you know, they imposed and leaned on the offensive line, but it wasn't pretty. I mean, they won that game and came back in the second half with Deshaun Watson playing with basically a broken shoulder and a high ankle sprain. Was he anywhere near 100%? No. Was he willing the Browns to victory by himself? No. Defense stepped up, made plays. Run game was consistent, made plays. Receivers, tight ends. 
made plays. Like it was a full team win to where, yes, you obviously lose Watson, but again, PJ Walker stepping in with how Watson has played this year, it is a drop off, but it's not nearly. And Dorian Thompson Robinson is getting the start on Sunday, so I should probably lead with him first in terms of quarterbacks taking over. So my apologies, DTR, to you in that one. But it's not like this drop off is going from Mahomes to Chad Henney or Joe Burrow to Jake Browning. This is a team that, again, was built to win no matter who was quarterback. It helps when you have an elite guy, and that's part of the reason why the Browns went all in because they said, look how good this team is. If we have a great quarterback, we'll be unstoppable. But they can get by with suboptimal quarterback play. I think that game on Sunday highlights that. Even though Deshaun Watson was playing, he was banged up, nowhere near 100%, nowhere near effective. And despite that, this was still a guy that in large part with his teammates helped get a victory on the road against a division rival. If that doesn't show you what the Browns are capable of going forward here, I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're watching. This Browns team is not one to be overlooked. They are going to be dangerous come postseason time. And they are one where I think absolutely they have the formula. Just like the 49ers did last year with a third-string rookie Mr. Irrelevant quarterback to make a deep run in the playoffs. So that's why for me, I'm still a believer in um, in the Browns. How about yourself? 855-212-4227. If you aren't, if you are doubting Cleveland, if you are saying right now you got the shovel out, you're in the backyard, and you are burying the Browns. Why? Why is there no more faith? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Speaking of little faith, I got a lot of faith in Cleveland. I got no faith in one Bill Belichick. I don't think, well, I think one his, his time in New England is coming to an end this year. And if I was a team looking for a head coach, I would not Bill Bel- uh, I would not want Bill Belichick anywhere near my team. And Rob Gronkowski, I think, made my point for me. He was on the Up and Adams show with Kay Adams earlier this morning, and he gave his thoughts on Bill's handling of Mac Jones. Take a listen to the Gronkster. If I was Mac Jones as well, Kay, listen to me out. He's not. He's not respected in New England. Coach Belichick has played all these games with him. Bailey Zappi isn't even close to being on Mac Jones' level. You should never, ever sit Mac Jones. You tried it once. You tried it twice. It's not working. Now he's doing it again. He won't name a starting quarterback. He's not respected there. I think Mac Jones should ultimately, even right now, should just go ask for his release. If you're talking to me about what he should do, ask for his release. Now, that obviously was focused on Mac Jones and his future. Look, Mac Jones is not very good. I'm not a believer in Mac Jones. Do what you want. I don't, you know, he's not good. Fine. But what I found very fascinating from that clip is Rob Gronkowski, pro-Patriot, pro-Bill Belichick, never a bad word to say about him, basically scolded Bill on his handling of Mac Jones, and in defending Mac, Gronk basically threw Bill under the bus and said he handled him poorly. He ruined Mac Jones. Now, again, I don't think Mac's very good, but the reason why I wanted to play that for you and the reason why I think if you are any other team in the NFL and Bill's available, why you shouldn't want him is 
What is to say that Bill won't do the same thing to your young quarterback? Mike Florio was on with Zach Gale about two weeks ago. He said to Zach that he has heard a lot of rumors that the commanders are going to try to trade for Bill Belichick this offseason. If you're Washington and you've seen how Bill Belichick has handled his young first-round quarterback in Mac Jones the last three years, what has you inspired to then bring Bill to your team and then, what, take Sam Howell to the next level? What has he shown to have you have faith that that's going to happen? Most teams right now with new head coaches are going to need quarterback development and or take their quarterback to the next level. What has Bill done to have you believe he can do that? Again, say what you want about Mac Jones. Look at the position Mac Jones has been put in. First round pick. Go to the playoffs year number one. With no weapons around him. Then in year number two, you have a defensive coordinator hired to be now the play caller on offense. And now, along with Joe Judge, a special teams coach and defensive-minded coach, both failed head coaches, by the way, in charge of Mac Jones' development in year number two, expecting him and thinking that they'll help him make a tremendous leap from year one to year two. That flames out. Wow, what a shock. Didn't see that coming. Now in year three, sure, you bring back Bill O'Brien, but you still give Mac no weapons to throw the ball to, no help on the offense, no talent, blame him for all his shortcomings, give him no chance to succeed, and then expect to for Bill to then go to your team and do the opposite of what he did? Again, this was Bill Belichick's hand-picked guy. He wanted Mac Jones. He identified Mac Jones in the draft. He got what he wanted. It's not like he was just, oh, this is a guy, you know, this is what I had to deal with. This is, you know, this is, my, my hands are tied. No, he wanted them. He got him. And how he said, thank you very much, is by throwing him in the trash. By benching him multiple times, by inspiring no confidence, by giving him no weapons. Again, Mac Jones is not a good quarterback. But he was also was not given a chance to succeed. And so if you want to now trade or, or hire Bill Belichick to be your head coach, you're sort of Gronk basically throw Bill under the bus and chastise him for his handling of a young quarterback. Why should you have any belief or faith that Bill coming to your team will help take your quarterback to the next level? I don't see how you could actually believe that. It's not going to happen. That's why I'd want Bill Belichick nowhere near my team. He is not a guy, I think, that has a strength of developing young quarterbacks by getting the most out of them, especially now in 2023 where it's a pass-happy league. It's a league that you need results quickly. He's not shown that ability. And so that's why if you're the commanders, if you're any other team right now that says, oh, Bill Belichick's out there, let me go get him, think twice. And remember Gronk's words. Again, Gronk is advocating for Mac Jones to demand his release right now. Believes he's been disrespected by the coaching staff. Gronk, who never talks out of line about anyone with the Patriots, is taking a direct shot and a direct criticism at Bill. That should show you, wow, there's some there's real truth there. There is real truth. And you know what? He's right. 
And I can't trust him if I have Sam Howell or any other young quarterback. I can't trust him to get the most out of my guy. We're going to go somewhere else. That was very interesting. I would say shocking audio from Gronk being honest, but being critical of Bill Belichick and his failure in putting Mac Jones in a position to succeed. Okay. So it is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Marco Belletti is now with us on the updates. Hello, Marco. What's up, bro? I need some life advice. I went to ACK already, so I'm asking ACK, and now I'm asking you. Okay. My girlfriend and I are in a fight, and mm-hmm. I need you to pick a side. Hmm. No pressure. ACK to pick my side. Here is what we're fighting over. Okay. We both witnessed the other day, walk into our apartment, I think one of the most egregious behaviors you can do, and she thinks it's no big deal. So walking, our we live in an apartment building, and the entrance to the apartment is right on the sidewalk. So there's no, like, big walk-up. It's a very narrow entrance. It's one in, one out. Exit, entrance, all the same. There's not multiple exits, not multiple entrances. Okay. A gentleman who lives in our building was walking his dog, and we watched him walk out of the front door, walk his dog two feet in front of our entrance, let the dog go number one, then walked back into our apartment building. So he let his dog, again, in a narrow entrance way, pee right basically where we got to walk to go to the door. Mm-hmm. A door he lives in, mm-hmm. uh, like a building he lives in. Mm-hmm. I was irate. I was ready to fight him right there. <laughs> that was disgusting. That was egregious. That was disrespectful. My girlfriend said, didn't really see what the big deal was. I, whose side are you on, Marco? Is that egregious or is that not a big deal? I need a little bit more information. Sure. Is the dog old? Don't know. Small dog. Small like, dog. Is small it, dog. Does it look like it doesn't walk around much? No, it did look like it was pretty... Spry? Yeah. I, have... You know what's funny? That was exactly the word I was about okay. to use. Spry. It's, it's pretty spry. Okay. It, so wasn't, the... it wasn't on its last leg. Okay. And the other thing is, have you seen this gentleman walk the dog at any point ever before? No. First time. So just curiosity, because I would need the backstory of, is it normal practice to just walk out, let the dog go, and walk back in because he's lazy and doesn't want to walk the dog? Or was it, I'm going to go walk the dog, and the dog got three feet and just went, and it's like, oh, geez, I didn't know it was going to go that fast. Just curiosity. So that's why I need to know if there's a, see if there's a pattern. If it's a pattern, then I'm with you. If it's one time, sometimes you go to walk the dog, and they have to go, and you didn't realize. And they got to go. And you really can't do anything once the dog starts going. It's kind of like, well, dog's going to go. Dog's going to go. So it would just be the idea of if this is a pattern of laziness that he doesn't like to actually walk with the dog, or was it the dog surprised him and went a little quicker than he expected? From my view, it to me looked like he walked out and the guy stopped like, I'm like basically, I'm done walking the dog. It wasn't like one of those. I got to run out here because the dog's about to pee. Is yes, not pants, but you know, you right? Know no, no pants right. for the dog. Yes, right. Um, and it's like he's going now, no matter what. And we just got we got lucky that he was out of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like this was like okay, you know what? We got to walk the dog. I'm gonna literally still stay like on. We have like a little one stair to get to get to our our door to open up. He stood on the one stair, let the dog go like on the sidewalk technically, but right in front of the door to go do his business. It seemed, I would guess, without confirmation, but I, in my, right, I would say pretty educated opinion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was laziness versus emergency. Then, no, I got a problem with it. And I told Ak I was ready to do the Draymond Green to him. Like, I, like, <laughs> I am so mad. I would fight this guy. I know exactly where he lives. <laughs> well, he's building, the building is very yes. small. Yes. So I know the door. I know the floor. I want to say something right there. But again, I'm... 
I'm not and not a confrontational person. I like to say I like I'm a tougher guy in my head than I am in reality. Mm. So probably I will never say anything, but I was really close to throwing hands in my mind at least. Now, that I, was just so disrespectful. I admit that it wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much as you, but I do look at it as flat laziness. If you're going to have a dog and if you're going to walk the dog, then take the dog for a walk. You don't just go right in front of the door. You got to actually, you know, let the dog walk around and you also got to let this happen where people don't walk. People aren't constantly walking through it. I realize it's just number one. However, that's not necessary that people need to walk through this. If you got a dog, take responsibility, do what you're supposed to do. So I think it's ridiculous because I think it's laziness and I don't like laziness. Would I get that bent out of shape? Probably not. It would be more of like getting cut off in traffic where you're upset for like 30 seconds and by the time you get to the next block, you don't care. Oh, this lasts like, I mean, three hours. Just like in the moment, not maybe, but it lasted a while. I brought it up to my girlfriend multiple times throughout the rest of the day. And this was a few days ago. So I'm bringing it up to you now. It still bothers me. Well, here's the thing. I'm more concerned with your relationship now. So you brought this up a few times at some no, point. Within the, no, within the same day. Within the same, like okay. we, like we were walking back from food shopping. When did you get the, I've had enough? Oh, pretty quickly. Okay. Because she didn't understand why I was so irate. But you're going to keep pushing that home, huh? Yes, because it drove me crazy. And mm. the reason why I'm bringing it up today is I did see him again today with the dog. Now, what I'm upset about is I didn't get there. Like, he was walking back in to the apartment building. There was a little liquid in front. I could not tell if it was already there. I could not tell if maybe someone had a hose or just, like, well, I mean, it did it's rain New York today. City. It did not I rain today. Tell. So, I, I'm going to go with. But I was like, all right, I'm going to let it pass. I cannot confirm this time if he just pulled the exact move again. But I saw him again. I was seeing red. So, yes, I like I am definitely someone who holds grudges, who does not let things go, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, maybe gets... Mm -hmm upset about the little things more than I should. And this is something that definitely bothers me. You know what honestly bothers me the most? It's not just the dog pee in front of the building. It's That's really honestly not about it. It's the fact that it's your own building. Like if this is a random guy walking his dog on the sidewalk, honestly, I would not care as much because you know what? This guy has no respect or doesn't care. It's not his building. Fine. It's, almost, it's the fact that you live there and you don't care that much that you are going to literally let your dog pee where you yourself walk in and out of every day that bothers me more than anything. That's like, funny because I would go the other way. You are paying the price. Like you really can't go two feet anywhere else. See, to me, I would I would look at it the other way. To me, I'm more disrespectful of other people's places. I actually have more respect to the fact that, like, look, this is my building, it's my door. I don't care. So why do you care? I'm walking through it every day. What's the? Day? I actually most respect the lack of. I don't know. Give a you know what? Yeah. I, I kind <laughs> I kind of I kind of like that, but. There is the idea that there's more than just one person living there. That's your house. I don't really care as much. It's an apartment building. You share it. Have some respect for everybody else. So I don't like that. I also don't, again, I go back to the laziness. If you're going to have a dog, you got to take the responsibility of what comes with that. And that's walking the dog. Especially if you're going to live in an apartment complex. You're going to have to walk the dog. And that doesn't mean you let the dog go in front on the stoop. you got to walk the dog. I mean... Just because, like, if it's a random guy, I probably never see him again. And it's like, if I yell at him, like, he's not going to, like, it's part of, like, I know he won't care. Because if I if I was me, rolls reverse, like, all right, some guy's yelling at me, don't go in front. Well, I'm never going to see you again, so who really cares? It's like the fact that I know I'm going to see him every day. And everyone who else who lives there, mm -hmm. who, who catches this act um, for how fast it is, it's like, you, you live with that person. It's like, what else are you going to do? I will but, say this. If you're going to see this on, uh, you know, numerous occasions, for your own sanity, you might, as you walk up, you know, it's got to be actually where you catch them Oh yeah. in the act. You could be like, yo, can we go five feet? I mean, you are in New York City. You can get a little bit of the attitude. You I don't necessarily have to throw hands, but you can let your unpleasantness 
let it be known. I've only gotten in one fight in my life. And I would probably use the way I started that fight with this fight. Be like, yo, what the what the bleep? Like Yeah. Now I will say because exasperation. You, like, what are what are we doing? And then maybe throw a little push. Now, again, and I'll preface this with I have, you know, attitude issues. But we are older now. At some point, like you're not a kid. So there shouldn't be a confrontation where you're throwing hands in the street. No, I'm not, I'm not whether or not it's him. over the dog or the pee or anything him. like that. Like, you know, once you get into your, your your late 20s, into your 30s, like at some point, grow up. Like the, you can have an argument and you can get annoyed at each other and you can curse each other out and you can get mad, but that shouldn't lead to a physical altercation. There shouldn't be the Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert situation <laughs> on the streets of New York or any other street that you live on just because at some point, like, like, your body can't handle this anymore, okay? You think in your mind you're still 19. You're not. So, really, you shouldn't be throwing your hands with any stranger, never mind when you get older. So, it sh that shouldn't come to it. But that doesn't mean that you can't voice your displeasure. That doesn't mean you can't look at the guy and be like, look, we all live here. Do I got to walk through this? You want me to walk through this in your living room? Should I bring my shoes up there? Like, you can still kind of complain without it necessarily escalating to that next level. I guess I'm debating of, do I, do I go in soft, calm, hey, buddy, we all live here? Like, that's, I think I'm going to yeah, come in I, hot. I wouldn't go in that soft, but I you think don't I have to go in, in, but you don't have to come in blazing hot either if you don't want to necessarily get to the point where you're throwing hands. I don't like, you know, know. I've the seen media. this guy. He does not look like a fighter. Again, I've only gotten one fight in my life. I'm not fighting anybody. Like, I talk a big game now. I am not actually, if we get to throwing hands, I don't know what, like, and you again, that's the smart thing. I mean, the, not so only is it because the law gets involved and there's assault and you don't want to get arrested and all those kinds of things that, that come with bad. it. It's, to me, it's more the idea that, like, you know, at some point, grow up. You ever watch two 50-year-old guys try to, like, you know, fight in the street? <laughs> it's the stupidest thing you'll ever see. It really is. Because you both think you're 19 and you're both completely out of shape. And one wrong punch, not only are you going to knock yourself out, you're going to pull three hamstrings. You're going to pull your shoulder out. Like, it's just the way your body can't handle this stuff anymore. You think you're in shape. You're not. So that part of it shouldn't be. But that doesn't mean you can, you got to do the hey, buddy. That doesn't also mean you necessarily have to profanity-laced. There's an in-between, and you can just, you know, kind of walk that line and be like, look, this is, this is unacceptable. You want to walk the dog? Can you go 10 feet? Maybe we'll go the exasperate, like, like what are we doing? Come on, That's man. not like, bad. Like, That's not like, bad. This is so, I'm so disbelief that you think this is okay. Like, That's not maybe bad. Maybe guilt them that way. That's, That's probably, fine. honestly, Just, reality. Like I said, don't go, in this, don't go in too soft, though. You go in too soft, oh, no, it's I'm, almost like, why did you open your mouth? You might no. as well not even bother. Because, again, I'm not confrontational, so if I actually am going to say something, I'm not going to be like, hey, Mr. Yeah, no, you, you come know, in like that, okay. I mean, no, no. Uh, maybe next time, you yeah, know, no. bring a little water bottle. Yeah. Or, you you, know, maybe just walk two feet anywhere else. Yeah. Voice has got to get raised. All right. And Exasperate is not bad, though. The only thing is, is um, all these things that you're working through, I would say keep them in your head. Don't necessarily let your girlfriend hear this because the more you bring this to her, the more you're going to have your own issues in your own house, and they're going to not be related to this dog, and you don't need that. That's N fair. Nobody okay, that's needs that. Advice. Nobody so needs that. I will chalk you up along with Ack on my side. I won't tell her that because, again, I'm going to just pretend in my mind or in reality that this is not bothering me inside. It's a tea kettle right now, ready to burst. Um, but good to know. Chalk you up on the good side. Marco Bloody, Rich Aquin on the good side.
I knew it. Never a doubt, but just just official again the record. Thank you, Marco. You have my back. And if I need one call from jail, well, I did say act did say he bailed me out, so I have to give him a call first. But yes, call him first. You're on the list. Good He's much closer and much more accessible. I got to be fair. I'm not the guy you want to call when you're. Well, when you're if things job. really go down and this guy calls for backup, then I know who to call. I ain't calling Ack. No, I wouldn't call Ack in that situation. Again, you could call me like I, I yeah, but I'll be fair. Me in a fight right now. I'm 45. I'm fat. I'm completely. I'm a mess. That's the last thing you want is me backing you up in a fight. I I might give it a try. Okay, that's. I, I might you know try to rekindle the Here we youth. Go. The odds are I'm gonna look just as bad as every other 50 year old mess that's on the street trying to get into a fight. Right. I got to deal in reality here. No fighting. No yeah. fighting here in CBS Sports Radio. This I am a guy that be... pulled a hamstring getting out of bed once. I mean, you know, oh, so let's not. Oh boy. Let's not necessarily. Maybe I won't call you either. Yeah. Let, let's not think that I'm gonna be that guy. I'll find a new army, I guess, to back me up. Mm. Not in this building. Yeah. Well, you are right about that. All right. So no fighting here at CBS Sports Radio. There was some fighting in the NBA yesterday. We have a suspension for Draymond Green handed down. Was it enough? We'll discuss and the show. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It was handed down earlier this evening. A five-game suspension from the NBA to Draymond Green for his choking out of Rudy Gobert in last night's loss to the Timberwolves. And now he is going to miss the next five games. I don't think if you're the NBA, that's enough of a punishment. Draymond should have been suspended more. And I'm not talking about more games or talk about a fine. How you suspend Draymond Green more is by suspending Steve Kerr, the guy who's been in this corner, the enabler that defends Draymond Green anytime he's in the wrong. At this point, I think that's the only option and the only hope the NBA has of Draymond changing his actions is by punishing the the one defender Draymond has. Maybe now having his actions impact others will have him finally wake up and realize what he's doing is not okay. Choking guys out, kicking them in the groin, stomping on their chest, all the stupid stuff he does that is flat out dangerous has to stop and it won't stop Unless I think you truly get to Draymond, which I think right now the only way you get to Draymond is by going after Steve Kerr and punishing the guy who constantly stands up for him. Because you find him how many times? You suspended him how many times? He misses playoff games. Doesn't matter. He misses finals games. Doesn't matter. He misses a long stretch of games. Doesn't matter. He punches his teammates. He punches others. He chokes others out. He stomps on those chests. He kicks them in the groin. He does it all the time. And so the normal routine here of punishment isn't working. I think drastic times call for drastic measures. And if you're Adam Silver, it's time to put the league over the players. Time to really hit him where it hurts and punish the one guy that's been defending and enabling Draymond's behavior this entire time. Which is why if I was Adam Silver, I would have suspended Draymond Green. I also would have suspended uh, Steve Kerr. Punish the defender. And hope that Draymond seeing his guy and Steve Kerr punish for Draymond's actions, that would have been enough to at least have Draymond think of someone. He's not changing completely. He's not going to be, you know, an angel on the court. But at least change something. At least 
figure out some sort of line. At least be able to identify, hmm, maybe next time choking someone out on the court is not the answer. Maybe I'll sit it out. Or maybe, if you got to inject yourself, a little pushing. Not choking. I don't think the NBA came down hard enough. I would have suspended Steve Kerr along with Draymond Green. In fact, though, that's not the case. Just five games for Draymond that he'll miss now moving forward. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the show. Appreciate Jack Stern for doing a great job producing. Appreciate you for joining us here on this Wednesday. In case you missed any part of the show, check out the Hick at Night podcast. Night spelled N-I-T-E. Also, check out my YouTube page, Ryan Hickey as well. A lot of show content uploaded there. So if you missed anything, that's the best way to stay informed. Don't go anywhere. JR Sport Brief is up next. Have a great, great rest of your Wednesday. It's been Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio.